0: Welcome everybody to the latest episode of Culture Clash here on the Fandom Podcast Network. Of course, tonight we are coming you, to you live on YouTube through the Fandom Podcast Network YouTube channel. Now, I, just a forewarning before we begin, I cannot promise there won't be fungus on this episode of the Culture Clash. Um, I'm sorry, guys. You've been warned. Spe- speaking speaking of mutant fungus, nah, he, we'll, we'll upclass him a little bit. He's at least a good, good um, truffle or something like that. Um, Joining me tonight, as always, the co-founder of the Fandom Podcast Network, Mr. Kevin Reitzel.
1: You promised you would not talk about my personal hygiene live on YouTube, Kyle. Come on, bro. Um,
0: I, 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 <laughs> Aaron was trying to pay me off because she didn't want the secrets out. <laughs> <laughs> How are you
1: doing, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm excited for tonight's show, not only just because of the topics, uh, The Last of Us and our favorite uh, TV series, but we got a great guest, too, so I'm really excited because uh, we're going to be rolling with the Magic 8-Ball tonight.
0: Yeah, he's, he's been popping up a little bit more on the Phantom Podcast Network. I also know he just was on Dad and Hadley's Facebook live show talking about The Last of Us as well. Of course, it is the one and only good friend of our network, Mr. John Mosby.
2: Hello, people from the apocalypse. Hey, welcome, John. How are you, sir? I'm very, very, very good. I'm I'm coming live from snowy Iowa, where it barely gets above zero degrees at any point, Uh, particularly cold at the moment. No fungus, uh, personal or otherwise. But it's, you know, I'm just keeping a lookout generally. So yeah, not doing too much. How are you guys?
1: Let's be honest. Your cold weather in Iowa would kill the fungus in Last of Us. Iowa, you would be safe.
2: You think I moved here just? You think I moved here just for love? No, there's a practical thing <laughs> in it as well.
0: Yeah, I, I was gonna say all of your fungus is awful white. That your your apocalypse is just white <laughs> out right now. That's it. <laughs> um, M- we, middle, got, we have good, yeah, we've got a fun show here, guys. Um, we're gonna be talking about The Last of Us a little bit more in depth, a special edition. And buy it, stream it, or see it. We got, we got. We're going to talk a little DC and let's news, And two, we're going to have a little fun thing to talk about because the Magic 8-Ball is back. And it has asked us a question, Kevin.
1: What are our most rewatchable TV shows? That's right. We've got uh, the Magic 8-Ball doing so. And uh, we got a good response from our fans online as well. And I'm sure, John, you have a few up here in your brain that you and your wife love to watch over and over again so we're going to pick your brain on that
2: yeah it's it's amazing actually how often nowadays you find yourself watching stuff again and again and again it used to be you know back in when i was a wee you know micro you watch something and it was gone forever this was you know before dvd never mind oh. streaming and the like now we've got that such a, a great way of revisiting the past something from the ancient past something from last week we kind of dictate our own viewing habits now. And I think that's, we're a little bit spoiled, but, it, um, but yeah, it's well, so good we can do that. It's, it's funny you say that, John, because
1: in the now the world of streaming where we can get access to these older shows, mm-hmm. I saw an article online that a lot of millennials are now watching um, Seinfeld and they're finding it offensive. <laughs>
2: isn't it interesting I, mean, I was saying to Jill and my wife the other the, the night we were watching something on one of the cable channels we've just got sling TV and so we there's some obscure stuff in the you know the bottom of the schedules and you you'll know, occasionally find yourself watching something uh I think it was, I think it was an episode of Sanford and son and and comment you know comment, it, 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 you know, couldn't do that today you know for all that we've moved you know, moved on in a bit you 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 begin to it's not just the hairstyles it's not just the cars you humor changes, you know, drama try, changes, and you don't realize until watch, you've actually yeah. talked each other.
1: Yeah, like shows like All in the Family and Married with Children.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I've actually we been watching old episodes of the original Night Court, and that's been an interesting experience.
2: <laughs> it's so interesting to put them back things side by side, you know, something that was produced this year and something that was produced several decades ago, and sometimes you know, the older stuff is, is you know, just as good. And sometimes it's cringeworthy and it's, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting time we live in. We can sample a bit of everything, I think.
0: Well, I think it's time to get things moving on here. And we got some very interesting things to talk about. So first of all. Let's use. Gentlemen, one of the big stories that's been kind of percolating now for the last few months is James Gunn having taken over as the head of DC Studios. Um, we've been waiting, we've been waiting. He has finally put out the outline for his first chapter of the DC Cinematic Universe, Chapter One, entitled "God and Monsters." And he's doing some interesting things here. I'm just going to do a quick rundown of the shows, and then we'll kind of dis- we'll discuss, but. Opening up is of the things he announced is a animated feature called Creature Commandos. Um, these characters have actually been around in the DC universe for a while in the comics, but they're very obscure. Going to be interesting to see that. This Kevin, I'm excited for. He is spinning off Viola Davis finally and giving her her own show as Amanda Waller. I, I, I'm all in there.
1: To quote um, Will Smith's character, she's straight up gangsta. Yeah, and <laughs> let's not forget
0: her role in Peacemaker too. Um, yes. Superman Legacy, which is going to be dealing with um, Superman as he kind of tries to balance his Kryptonian heritage and his heritage from Earth. Lanterns, which will be a Green Lantern show as they've scrapped the Greg Berlanti long in the works project. Um, This is going to be a very different point of view. Looking to make a true detective style out of Green Lantern. I think this is very interesting. Something that completely shocked me is The Authority, because that is a... Comic that originated initially with Image Comics, it was a very hardcore adult style comic with its violence and everything. And they tra- but when Wild storm was bought by DC, the authority came along with it. Um, and there's a lot of things with this book. I'll be very curious to see what they do here. Paradise Lost on HBO Max, um, a Game of Thrones style drama on the all female island that is Wonder Woman's birthday. Uh, the mascara, um, very interesting there. The Brave and the Bold, and this is where things get a little interesting is going to introduce this version of the DC Universe's Batman along with his son and many people's favorite Robin, Damian Wayne, who is a little son of a bitch, to quote James Gunn. <laughs> <laughs> the Batman sequel, continuing Robert Pattinson as the as the Batman, but in more of what DC calls an Elseworlds story, which is basically on another Earth, multiverse kind of thing. A Booster Gold TV show, um, which... Early rumors, Chris Pratt might be in the line to play the role of Booster Gold. Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, and then closing out Swamp Thing, a horror film that promises to close out the first part of the chapter and establish the God and monster scene. So a lot of stuff from James Gunn. John, you had an article on this on your echo chamber. Give us some of your thoughts on what James Gunn is doing here, because it's a lot.
2: (sighs) There's a lot, and there's so much that's that's been kind of like an info dump of stuff. Um, I'm not sure what to think. I mean, Marvel have led DC over the last sort of decade and a half. There was a real structure, a real blueprint there. Not everything worked, but there was a feeling that everything was coordinated. And, of course, DC over the last decade has been anything but. It's been kind of very scattershot. Some things have worked, but... There's been contradictions. There's so much now, so much information that the cynic in me goes, this is the plan for the next four years. So what's the first thing that's going to end up changing? Um, It's interesting that maybe I am being cynical. There's lots of interesting things in there. But the, the cynical side of my brain goes, yeah, and which one is going to be the first to drop out? You know, what's going to change? What has to happen with studios is if people come and like it, they will keep making it. If not, they will be. An- it's like comics. You know, every, every so often there's a complete reshuffling of the cards. It's an interesting reshuffle, but given that we're not really going to see much of this for another minimum of probably two and a half years, really, of the new stuff. It's. I'm more like, okay, come back, come back to me in three years, and I'll tell you whether it's worked or not. But I don't. At this point, I think it's impossible to judge whether it will work. This interesting ideas. Let you know, Let's see what actually sticks to the wall, as it were. I don't know. It's going to be interesting, but let's let's kind of like hold our breaths and watch. I think.
0: Kevin, you know, we we obviously have talked many a time about the DC Warner Brothers disaster area that's been over the last several years. This is a pretty ambitious move by Gunn, but one of the things that really stood out to me is too is there's definitely a little bit of something for the big comic fan with some Superman and Batman ideas, but some off the wall stuff that which fits James Gunn's nature when it comes to these kinds of films as well. So I, I think it's a very interesting mix. He's got planned here.
1: Uh, what is it called? The alternate verse that's going to allow the, uh, the Matt Reeves, Batman else. Um, elseworld. Elseworlds, Elseworlds. Sorry, yeah. I'm still, lear- yeah. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still learning the nomenclature here. I like the <laughs> fact that that's an option. First of all, that they're having this else world, but I remember you and I were been discussing. What is James Gunn doing here? And I know he's pissed off a lot of people, But I love the fact that he says, look, we need to reset hard and 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 just redo this this DC world and make it happen. Whether you want to say they're copying what MCU is doing. But the fact that he not only mentioned it and it happened, but they came up with a plan and he came on video and talked about it means to me I'm glad it's in his hands a lot of people don't like the fact that we're not going to see a lot of the DC characters and actors from the previous films Uh, maybe we will maybe we won't depending on this you know alternate universe or whatever it is that you guys just call it because I keep forgetting it Uh, but uh, I love the fact that half of these that were mentioned not being a comic book reader I have no idea what they are but from that perspective I like that I don't know it. I don't have any preconceived notions. So I can go into this stuff not knowing anything about it. Maybe Kyle can tease a little bit, let me know what I'm kind of in for, because he knows what these are. But I can go with an open mind and enjoy it. And like John says, who knows what's going to stick to the wall? But I think that we can be surprised. If Guardians of the Galaxy surprised us and it's stuck, and they can do something like that. Remember who was behind Guardians of the Galaxy? So I, I have... Faith and hope that this will turn the table for DCU and uh, just bring it back to a stable place for stuff to look forward to.
0: Those are good points, Kevin. John, when I look at this, I think the one thing that really does stand out for me is it looks like James Gunn is trying to do a little something for everybody. So, like all these films, there's something different for a different going from doing like the authority to a swamp thing, which you can go all kinds of crazy directions with swamp thing. Um, to yeah, a different I, style of Superman I, and Batman, I, it, it's very interesting, and I, I think Gunn is looking at really diversifying the types of programming he's putting out for.
2: There's two things he said that I thought were it was like okay, you know, he's he's come he's just, you know doing this up front. First of all, he he said that. um Henry Cavill basically had been dicked around by the people beforehand, and I think that's that's yeah. You know, that, I think somebody needed to actually turn around and say, you know, whoever gave Henry Cavill, you know, the the sort of the green light to say, hey, I'm back as Superman, and then two weeks later, yeah, you know, he gets yanked off it. Yeah, uh, you know, Henry Cavill deserves a huge apology for that. Whether you think he should, you know, he should be Superman or not, that was that was a huge embarrassment. And at least I think he owned that and said, listen, that was nothing to do with us. But yeah, he was dicked around and that wasn't fair. And I think also the other thing was he said, we're gonna start coordinating. This is the whole thing. TV and film will coexist. You know, there might be stuff that's for film, might be stuff for the TV, but we're not gonna have one character, you know, happening this in this in this series and it being contradicted, you know, two weeks later in a movie. Let's work it out. And that's his job. I mean, Marvel did very well in in blueprinting from the start behind the scenes, didn't like announce. 20 movies or anything right at the start but they had a pace behind the scenes and the people behind the scenes knew what was happening he needs to he does need to clear the boards whatever you think of how you know what he's clearing the boards with there is no doubt that really the the best thing to do is just clear everything out start again and cherry pick what you want and and make it work but it won't please everybody that's guaranteed and it will please some. He's not going to please everybody. So let's just see. let's see what he does. And I, I suspect some of it will be brilliant. Some of it will be that was pretty good. And some of it will be not good at all. But your opinion may vary from project to project.
1: John, how do you feel about Gun? I mean, he's obviously the the face in front of the camera here. He's the one that's going to speak out and let people know. How do you what's your faith in him and actually delivering? Adam had shown a concern as a fan and he's not alone. A lot of people feel
2: that way. It, it, it's a little bit like when you had uh, I, um, I remember when Jim Lee took over at DC Comics, people went, oh, it's Jim Lee. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah. He's my favorite artist and, and he's a good writer. And you know, somebody said, yeah, but let's see how he how good he is at, you know, uh, uh, almost effectively running. Uh, you know, a whole universe, and that was, I thought, was always thought was a fair comment. You know, generally he's done, yeah, you know, very well. But it was a nice observation. Just because somebody's good at one thing, are they going to be good at something else? You know, I, if somebody's a good writer or director, will they be a good showrunner? That I think James Gunn has the right mentality for it. I think he has. You have to be a bit ruthless, and he has been. Um, he has to be good at coordinating um, projects, and and a lot of what he's done have been team movies. So, you know, he's used to a lot of working parts and, and he's, you know, he's not the only guy, you know, it's not just Gunness, the Saffron there. And, and it's, I think it's going to be a good partnership. I, mean, I don't know whether I'm going to like everything they do, but, you know, two guys there that could probably balance each other out. Prag you know, Guns Gunn's a bit of an anarchist in some ways, but he's not stupid. You know, he likes he's subversive is probably the best word. But he's not going to undermine himself. You know, he knows right. he has to produce something commercially viable. So I think he's he's going to bring the the sensible side and the subversive side. Ideally, he's he's one of the best people for the job. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm, I'm willing to give him a chance. I think I think he could be very good, but expectations will vary. I think.
0: One other point I want to make real quick before we close out the story, because you talked about Saffron and he had a couple interesting comments afterwards. um, Talking about things that have been kind of going on in the DC universe right now. One, when he was asked about Ezra Miller, he basically just did the biggest avoidance that he possibly could, which tells me there's still higher ups in charge with the Ezra Miller situation. But the other one I found interesting was when they asked him about Batgirl, which he has said, I've seen it. It was
2: unwatchable. Yeah i mean who knows about that girl it's yeah it's the ezra miller thing i'll just say it's interesting i it's it's again it's a two-track thing my understanding i mean ezra miller no offense intended if he happens to be here watching tonight you know has had a train wreck of, of a life um in in the last two years you know most people know all about it you can search on google it's not you know it's no big secret the trouble with the law and a huge range of things and you know, I think almost anybody else at any other time would probably have been kicked to the curb, pragmatically by any studio. But on the flip side of that, everything I'm hearing is that the Flash uh, is going to be a stunning movie. I think I think Warner Brothers Discovery is probably tilting their hat to pragmatism and saying, let's get the Flash movie out. Let's you know, let's do that that kickstarts everything else. And, you know, if we don't want to use Ezra Miller again, then we'll talk about it. But let's get this out because this movie is great. I don't know if it is, but it seems the word on the street you know, behind the scenes is that the Flash movie is really, really good. Um, so they're probably quite forgiven of Ezra Miller for a while. But that will be, I think, you know, the fi- almost the final thing before everything then takes off in a different direction.
0: Kevin, I want one final thought from you too on the spirit with the Flash movie, because I really think it's an important film because I think it's going to let him reset the board, which what the nature of the character and what's going to happen in this movie. James Gunn said in this presentation, the Flash movie is the greatest superhero movie he's ever seen. Well, he should say that. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> because so much has been put into this. There's been so much hype with the appearances and who's going to be in it. I don't think anything like this in the style that I think we're going to get, it has ever been done before. Uh, It's, you know, yes, we get the Avenger films and we get all of all the heroes and such, but the way that this flash film is being done with the alternate universes and stuff like that uh, and allowing this to kind of be the vessel to allow you to go off in another direction. If something hits um, or ignore something, if something misses and Yes, the Ezra Miller thing, obviously, is the big, you know, uh, elephant in the room. But uh, I think that, um, uh, you know, I think he's getting help. That's a different story. But uh, I'm very curious about it. I there was a time where I was like, okay, I'm over it now. But now I'm kind of like, okay, I want to see what happens, especially now that D.C. has a plan by one of the guys, you know, talking to us and letting us know what's going on, especially for us like myself, who aren't you know, don't have the history in the comics to really kind of, you know, be disappointed by if they don't live up to it. I just want to see DC heroes represented well in a plan. And I think that that is a good movie to get that going. And I hope that it is as good as people are hyping up. One of the things that bugs me is when people hype up stuff too much and it falls apart.
2: Well, my my, my benchmark is, is is Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame. I can what you are you're asking about TV shows that we, we watch. I Jill uh, my wife is, is you know not the biggest superhero fan, but we can see, we've sat there, like, we must have seen that movie now about 20 times. That for me is it's a hi- it's a fun of heist of film. That's another that's another reason why it's fun. It's a
1: heist film. Yeah. Yeah. It's
2: a time it's a G- heist like, film. And, yeah, it's a, yeah, to- it's a combination of, of a decade worth of planning and just yeah. epic to watch. So if it's better than, Endgame, better than Avengers Endgame, hurrah. I, I'm i going to think so far, I'm probably going to like The Flash. I don't think it's necessarily going to be, you know, I don't even think Avatar is, you know, is is, is Avatar the Way of the Water is the best film, you know, in a long time or anything, but that's done well. So we'll see whether it's critically liked The Flash and whether it makes a lot of money. Those are the two factors. Yeah.
1: No. Well,
0: it's definitely an interesting time for comic book movies as DC has a direction. And Marvel's about ready to kick off its new dynasty. Yeah, you see what I did there. Nice. <laughs> but that's going to wrap things up for the Let's News in the DC front. But it's time to get into a very special and a little bit different edition of Buy It, Buy It, Buy It, Stream It, Stream It, or Unsee, or un-see It. Or un-see now, normally when we do a little Buy It, Stream It, or Unsee It, we, we cover several things. We throw things out there that we've watched or seen recently. Um... Before we get into our main topic for this though. Mr. right so you've been having something you've been plugging all over the internet. I, I think I think you're going to I feel like you're going to take credit for this like you take credit for John Wick.
1: <laughs> yeah, so if you've been listening to us for a very long time, I'm the reason why John Wick is successful. Thank you. I'll explain that another time for the uh, uh, uninitiated. Uh, yes, I want to promote this film right here. 52577 It is finally available on DVD and also on Blu-ray. And I believe you can stream it for free on Amazon. I originally, I saw an original cut of this film at star Wars celebration four in Los Angeles back in 2007 was supposed to come out. Never did. It's been, um, kind of mired in, uh, delays and production and stuff. And then they went back and reshot stuff. And it's a fun coming-of-age story that takes place before Star Wars is released about a young sci-fi filmmaker fan who's a big Star Trek fan. He makes films, and he's got his friends around him that support him, and he starts hearing about this movie Star Wars that comes out. Uh, I actually have an old T-shirt from this promo that just says 525.77 on it, and I wear it from time to time. Check it out. It's a fun movie. It's finally, finally out. I highly recommend it. Uh, Definitely buy it.
0: I have purchased this on iTunes. I'm going to definitely be checking it out here soon. But we are here because we have a very special edition of BioStreamers. Because, Kevin, as much as we love Star Wars, as much as we love Marvel, the thing that is dominating fans across the... Quiet, quiet, quiet. Be quiet, John. He, he gets like this. It's a little... You just got to roll <laughs> with it. Um, is The Last of Us, HBO's new premiere, premium show based off of the amazing... Sony uh, video game. It, it, it has got everybody's attention cr- across the country. Um, it's pulling in Game of Thrones type ratings already. Um, and we were we are three episodes in. John had w- when we talked even before this came out. You would please let me come on. I want to talk about the last ones. So I know you <laughs> talked about it uh, after the first episode with uh, Dan, our good friend Dan Hanley in the space But I wanted yeah. to give it till episode three because episode three. Everybody has said was the wa- one of the most watermarked episodes of television in a very long time, and I got to agree with them. But mm-hmm. Kevin, as we get as we get started with this, we're going to have a nice discussion about the last of Us, But you had a couple questions for this.
1: Yeah, John, first of all, uh, thank you for coming on regarding this. And I want to point our fans to your Echo Chamber article that you released on this. And Mm -hmm. I had – there's two things that I want to address in your article because I think it's important uh, because it was stuff that I was thinking. And you and I were kind of messaging back and forth. And the first question you asked me was, did you like it? And I said, yes, Mm yes. But and I gave a reason for it and I want to yeah. kind of go into that and a little bit has to do with the first thing you said here. You said, mm-hmm. quote, you might understandably think that the third episode of a brand new show is far too early to have an almost standalone entry that sidelines its main cast, concentrates on a one off guest characters and features very little of its core Treat and remit, and yet long, long time. Name of the episode places Joel and Ellie in what amounts to book-ending roles, and I want to mention this because I want to ask you about this. Mm-hmm. It seems like whenever these uh, prestige television shows come on, I know that um, a lot of the um, critics and writers they'll get like a sneak peek of maybe two to four episodes if it's a weekly Mm. drop type of thing before everyone else does. So they kind of know what's going into it. And it's caused controversy Mm. when you listen to the week to week podcast and they know something you don't. But the third episode before it came out was like touted as this is a game changer. This is what this show is about. This is this and this is that. And I was really excited to know that, but then I kind of went back on it a little bit going, yeah, but I've heard this before and I've kind of been let down. I wasn't let down. Don't get me wrong, Mm. but I was expecting something different that I got. But when I rewatched it though, man, Mm. damn, this episode is really, (laughs) really good. And the third episode, was it the right time to do this? I don't know. I wanted to kind of learn more about uh, the relationship in the friendship with Tess, and mm. maybe have a little more balanced of an episode where you see a little bit of half and half, but I see why they went this way because it was a really good way to explain how people are living in a horrible situation mm. that hide themselves and protect themselves. So regarding that, I wanted you to touch on that first.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, that's perfectly valid. And and when I saw it, um, and don't hate me, I've, I've seen all nine episodes, um, it, it, I'm gonna hate I'd you, heard... John. I just just jealous, jealousy. <laughs> Sorry, but I, I knew it. Make... <laughs> um, yeah, it's I'd heard. It was it was very interesting. I I, th- I thought when critics started seeing it and not wanting to say too much, and the only thing I heard was, you know, the first two episodes. Uh, I it was about 24 hours before I saw them, Um and People, you know Some of the critics were saying it's really good, it's fantastic, but it's the third um, episode that is a standout standout episode. Now, the thing was that I was going like, okay, yeah, well, I, I guess, and I'm pretty thinking thinking probably the same as Kevin. Yeah, it's going to be big. It's going to be monsters. It's going to ah, it's going to be fantastic. Uh, I knew it had something to do with the certain characters that it has, but I I thought, okay, yeah. You know, so many people whose words I respect, you know, across the internet were saying, yeah, this is, yeah, this is good. So we sat down to watch it and it wasn't what you expected. And that was the kind of the reason it resonated. First of all, I think we'll all agree the performances are amazing, but because, yes. yeah. it, because it wasn't what I expected, it footed me. It almost, it, it, it almost turned around and it wasn't the big, you know, it wasn't the big thing. It was such well-crafted that it was was a great hour, actually an hour, almost an hour and a half, of television rather than necessarily a great television apocalyptic drama episode. Um, And the fact uh, and I want to pick my words really carefully here so that I don't sort of stumble over them and if I do I apologise to anybody. Not knowing or some people not knowing and me only knowing a little bit about who the central characters were, I had an idea where it might be going. But it was an hour of a um, gay relationship on TV that wasn't sold on that, and I found that that was a really good way of doing it. And some people have disagreed. Some people have said the exact opposite. You know, they should have been promoted the hell out of it and said this is, you know, this is a great, um, you know, modern take, and you know, to hell with all the racists and sexists and, and and whatever it should have been you know loudly blasted from everywhere that this was happening i thought it worked because it kind of just said to people just just you were here go with it you know this is a good drama and it's totally true i if somebody had said this is an hour of television devoted to two gay characters who've survived the apocalypse I'm sure it'd be perfectly good, but I I can understand some people turning around and saying, "Ah, maybe it's not something I want to watch. I'll be perfectly honest. I'd never seen Brokeback Mountain. I hear it's very, very good, but it didn't feel like however well acted anything was it was necessarily a film I was, you know, I had to say, I must see this. Uh, And I will at some point, and I hear it's very good, but it might not have pulled me into something I wanted to see. I think if they'd said too much about why this episode is so good... Mm. No. But some people may have just not, not not prejudice, but preference. It might have been, eh, yeah, okay. It doesn't sound as urgent. may. I'm sure it's very good, but maybe it's not for me. You see the episode, and and it's a it's and it's a brilliant hour of television. But I do totally agree with you that I was surprised it was the third episode, and maybe not the yeah. fifth or yeah. sixth. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> yet, yet I would have to say, look at the response. And look at the amount of people who are now watching the series. So I can see why they did it. But if it had been me, I'd probably beforehand, not knowing what you know, thinking, oh, is this, a, you know, this is going to be a Marmite episode. It really hasn't been a Marmite episode. I've seen a couple of grumbles on the net from predictable sources. But most people have been fair to amazing on it. So maybe they would they they probably know more than us. They they made the right decision, but it was surprised.
0: Um, I just want to weigh in real quick on what you said, John, about the fact that I agree with you completely. The fact that they didn't hammer home certain aspects of this episode as a selling point. I think that's something that a lot of other tele- television entertainment sources need to start adopting because I think I think it it just keeps it lets people be open to coming into something because it's something hasn't mm-hmm. been hammered with them. And it, it works so well within this world and within the especially the show. Because that's the thing about the show is at no point have I ever been felt by any aspect of the show, like it's hammering me over the head with with something or it's it's forcing something on me. It's just it's got a such a good flow and they understand what they're writing and what they're doing. And like you, this episode, big watershed episode and an absolutely amazingly performed episode, a heart wrenching Mm -hmm. episode. And but Mm -hmm. I still felt it contributed so much to the show and the main storyline just how they, and especially with the way they incorporated Joel and and Ellie in this episode, while also learning about these two side characters from the game, who they've expanded
1: beautifully. You know, Go ahead, sorry John,
2: go ahead. No, I should remember, I know, I'm sure if I look not too far on the internet, somebody's going to be using the word woke around, and I really can't tell you how much I loathe the way that that word is used nowadays. Um, But it's The thing was, people have to remember, even though alterations were made to the game, both these characters existed in the game as a couple. I I think I put a line in one of my reviews, and and I kind of wrote it and went, oh, yeah, that works. I said, they've taken a footnote and made it a lament. And 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 that's exactly what they did. They took a little bit from the game and said, we've got something here that we can explore. And all they did was open it up. They hadn't really created anything controversial they just opened up a side story where we'd had a few sentences and a couple of scenes and made an episode out of it and and it shows you how well they've done with the talent that they have
1: you know it, one of the things that i got out of this episode that because I, I remember i was talking to someone who wasn't familiar with the game like i've not i've never played the game but i've had some backstory on it kyle's helped me out with it and friends of mine so i had an idea of it yeah. the person i was speaking to My wife, Erin, she didn't really understand, like, after watching the first episode, she didn't really like, why is this? Why is that? What's happening here? And, you know, we had a discussion about that. And I've noticed after the second episode, especially when you get the flashback to Jakarta, that they're kind of taking their time with letting you know what really happened and how. They're, They're focusing on the characters first, and then everything else is kind of falling into little pieces here. And that's what this episode did, which I thought was good, as well as connecting these characters together and letting you know what a normal couple will go through during a, you know, a, a horrible event here, an apocalyptic thing and what they have to do to survive. And so I like that we're getting a little taste of that And then on a rewatch. I I I totally appreciated it even more. Um, The last thing that you mentioned here, uh, you, you ended your article here, said the last of us is a confident show already willing to pivot to and still be able to deliver, but there's still a chance that the long, long time episode won't be everyone's taste. If you're tuning in merely for a monster mash, this isn't your week and same sex relationships offend you for some reason then hurry off to something from the 20th century and conveniently forget that bill frank relationship was mentioned all way all the way back in the 2013 game uh, and then you go on to say technically you could skip this episode if you felt desperately inclined to do so but and i love this point here john if you did you'd miss some great connective tissue an acting masterclass from all concerned and some pitch perfect moments that demonstrate just how the last of us is setting a benchmark and setting records now You tipped your hat, John. You said you've seen all nine. Obviously you're not going to tell us stuff, but I love the fact that you said connective tissue here, because what that Mm. tells me is that yes, there was some connective tissue to what we've already seen, but I have a feeling that we're going to be looking back on this episode and thinking about what we've seen when we uh, finish this series going forward. And I love the fact that you mentioned that and that, Um, you touched on the masterclass of acting in this.
2: Oh, I mean, wasn't, I mean, the acting, I mean, I think we can all agree now, let's just give Nick, Nick Offerman and actually everybody concerned with this, the Emmy next year. Um, I, I, you can say all you want, that was just an absolutely tour de force. Yeah. You sit, you sit there watching it and and it doesn't, you know, I say some people are going to get hung up about the gay side of it. But, you know, that's up to them, that's fine. You, nobody would be saying that if it was a, a man and a woman. People would be on their seats boarding and and whatever if it was. And the beautiful thing about it is that you could have made the merest change you know, to the script and have it as a man and woman and make it a stunning love story of a heterosexual couple. So it doesn't matter, it's just a love story. And what this series does is what I think a lot of the best genre stuff does. Whatever genre it is, whether it's fancy science fiction or whatever, it says, yes, there are aliens. Yes, there are zombies. Yes, there are monsters. Yes, there is time travel. Whatever you want, you know, whatever your series or film of choice is. But it's a, it's a prison to tell a story about people. All the best stuff that's ever been done is really about relationships, choices, Hard decisions, survival, whatever. Almost anything you could name has that. And that's what this series does from start to finish every week. And I think I've I've just been writing one of the reviews for for one of the upcoming episodes. Um, And I I think it's for the next one, and it's no spoiler, but I've said what this show does, it will break your heart every single week and still have you coming back for more. Because it's about... And it sounds soppy and over over analytical, but what it is, it's it's a series about survival and love. And I think that I think the producers have said this as well. It's the it's the strength that comes out of that love, and yeah. the exact opposite the, the loss and the sacrifice and the brutality, the negative side of, of loving someone. It's it's families, it's romantic, it's um, yeah, you know, it's every kind of love. You know, companionship, community seen through a prism of what happens when it's tested and almost each week there will be something that will make you go yes and there'll be something that makes you go no and i guarantee all the way through that you'll you'll be going like yeah i'm coming back for more
1: hbo has a way of doing that to us <laughs> <laughs> Now, now real it.
0: quick guys i i have to disagree with john on something this is not mm-hmm. a skip a, an episode you can skip because I, I think there was something in this episode that was incredibly important and it deals with the joel and ellie relationship because john as we played the game we know how important this is but you start seeing that relationship change in this episode a little bit too you see joel letting his guard down just in little bits and pieces here showing a little concern you see ellie kind of softening up with and not being quite so hard-ass with with Joel on her own then too, and I think that's really yeah. important. I think that's why, and I think the fact that when they at the end of this episode, spoiler, little bit of spoiler warning, when they find mm. out what has happened to to Bill and mm. Frank and and they and that it's and considering what had happened to Tess, I think it does start. This is the episode where you see those two start to bond some, and I think that's I, very, I, very very important.
2: I'm not going to spoil anything specifically. If that's what you really enjoyed about this episode, and I totally agree with you, you're going to love the next episode.
0: Yeah. It's not because I...
2: the, the log um, again, not no spoilers, but we pick them. You know, we pick we pick up the story. You know, when they're on the road uh, again uh, after after the, after these events. And a a lot of the first third of it is just them in the car or, you know, or stopping off getting gas and stuff. And the dialogue is that kind of lovely dialogue that is so organic where one minute it's very kind of serious and profound. And the next minute it's stupid. You know, it's stupidly uh, there's some puns that come up. You think I'm bad at puns. There's some, there's some good one. There's a humor that comes out of the situation and you can see, as a result not so much of what happened last episode but the but partly due to it that they're ju- not softening a little bit but they're kind of pushing each other's armor just a little bit uh, uh, and testing it out they're still not you know best buddies but there's that kind of yeah okay you know we're stuck in this together at least for the moment um and it's just great it's great dialogue keep the act along well and it's, it's character driven and all the drama is.
1: I'd like to uh, quote an Aerosmith song. <clears throat> Ellie's got a gun. <laughs> <laughs> then,
2: then, then you, then you are very much going to like the next episode.
0: <laughs> now, Kevin, yeah. we, we we we've <laughs> talked about John's amazing review on Echo Chamber. We've talked some about episode three, but I want to go back a little bit here now and talk about episodes one and two because we have we haven't really gotten a chance to talk about them much. Um. I, I've, I've pulled kind of a couple of just short synopses of each episode. So let, let's kind of just start with episode one because it's the episode that drew, drew, obviously drawing everybody in the pilot. Um, in 2003, a mass fungal infection of Cordyceps sparks a global pandemic. Joel flees with his daughter, Sarah, and brother Tommy. Sarah is killed by a soldier. 20 years later, Joel lives in, Boston, in the Boston quarantine zone, managed by the Federal Disaster Response Agency, otherwise known as FEDRA, working as a smuggler with his partner, Tess. When Tommy fails to contact them from Wyoming, they buy a car battery from a local dealer, Robert, but are double crossed when he sells it to the Fireflies, a rebel group opposing Fedra. Attempting to retrieve it, Joel and Tess discover Marlene, the Fireflies' leader, who begs them to take Ellie to the Massachusetts State House in exchange for a working truck. While sneaking out, the three are caught by a soldier who tests them for the infection, revealing Ellie is positive. Joel kills the soldier, and Ellie claims to be immune. Now, guys, this first episode. You know, for us, John, we played the game. We were kind of, I think you were kind of in the mindset. Let's see how much of the game they incorporate in this. And we're going to talk about that here shortly. But I think this first episode, Kevin, I want to ask mm-hmm. you, because you it was your first experience with the last us, It just pulled you right in from the yeah. get-go with the mystery and just the intenseness of the episode.
1: Yeah, especially the whole truck uh, trying to escape scene and the plane crashing and just the mass hysteria that happens you know, with the grandmother being inf- infected and feeding on the family members, and it was it, it's the, one of the creepiest scenes. One of the things it's one of the most creepiest scenes in television. Excuse me, movie history is for me is uh, Exorcist three, where the guy's walking down the hallway and you see the ghost, whatever creepy character, go right by him behind him. Still, still get the heebie-jeebies. But seeing the grandmother in the chair start to do that weird little twitching <laughs> mm-hmm. thing, oh my god! Oh, I still get the goosebumps about it. Great opening episode. So I could go on. Mm. Um, actually yeah. superb opening episode. Um, i got to throw
0: out the actor, young actress who played um, Joel's daughter was phenomenal in this episode, and I really hope that somewhere along the line we get to see her in some more flashbacks or something like that because she did an outstanding job. But John... John, I mean, you and I are huge fans of this game. I mean, mm. it, 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 this, this, I, I came out of this first episode going, this is the greatest video game adaption I've ever seen, first of all. But just, <laughs> you could, the the yeah. love and respect they gave to the property itself, which is something I don't think you yeah, see I, in video game adaptions.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the, the problem is, as as I think we'd all acknowledge, is the best video game adaptation ever made is not exactly the highest benchmark. Um, it's, so I was telling people, oh, you know, it's a bit like, you know, the, the most successful, you know, batch of Brussels sprouts ever grown. It's like, who cares? Um, <laughs> it, you, you've got to convince somebody that it's a good, going to be a good TV program. But yes, I, the secret is, is not so much that I, though it is that this is a great adaptation of the game. It's really a tribute that the game was actually so cinematic and TV like when it came out. Um, it was, for those who haven't seen it, it didn't feel like a computer. It was a story that had set pieces that you could play a character in. But there was a narrative in there worthy of, of a novel or a feature film or whatever that you got invested in. And I, I, I'll pick the words carefully. I'm presuming everybody who's going to watch it has watched it and knows. But you know, there's a dramatic, uh, in, in this opening part of it, a you know a, a something happens which sets Joe on a completely different path for the rest of his life. Um and it's very even though there's so much added to uh, to the TV show that's not in the game, uh I know Kevin hasn't seen it, but virtually all those lovely bits uh where, where Sarah's daughter is is out there isn't in the game. You are you pretty much are straight into something about to happen, things go wild, and then they're off in the car. After the car um, escape, the car escape is really lifted almost frame for frame from the game. And it's really after that that things um, become very parallel with the game. Um, but, yeah, it was stunning. I I didn't realise until afterwards that the actor who plays Joel's daughter is Tandy New- Fandy Newton's daughter, uh, mm-hmm. Fandy Newton from Westworld, uh, who's so good. So we're going to see her, I'm sure, in other projects. Um yeah, it's, it was a great opener. I understood why um, some people say, "Well, it's a post-apocalyptic drama." I've seen quite a few of those. You know, I've, the Walking Dead's just finished. Why should this be any different? But I think I, the first episode kind of sets out it's about people, not about monsters.
1: Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, but to me, when it, I should mention this. Yes, I haven't played the game, but what set this aside as another post-apocalyptic. Uh, zombie type film was first of all, I remember watching world war Z for the first time and I was familiar with the book. Actually the audiobook is fantastic because of all the different voices mm-hmm. that are lent to that. And I remember being disappointed with the movie because it didn't follow the book, but on rewatching, I really enjoy that movie because first of all, the zombies are super fast and that's scary as opposed to the super slow ones that we see like on the walking dead and, and so many other ones. But these ones are freaking. Creepy AF with the whole oh, the tendrils and the oh my god yeah I I'm sure the video game is creepy and they've done a good job with that and I'm sure and, and I've heard the translation to the television so they've done a good job with that
0: yeah they they there are there are scenes where the dialogue is word for word from the game and I mean it's it's like you're watching yeah. the game just with live action actors they, they've done such a job with that that's just that's especially the case in episode two, which um, is entitled "Infected." Two days before the outbreak in Jakarta, a mycologist learns of the oncoming pandemic and advises the government to bomb the city to prevent it from spreading. In the present, Ellie explains to Joel and Tess that she is being transported west in hopes of being used to find a cure. Discovering the path to this to the state house is well, I'm sorry. Discovering the path to the state house is swarmed with infected. They cut through a museum where they are attacked. By blind infected known as clickers. Ellie is yeah. bitten. They arrive at the state house, but find the fireflies dead. Tess reveals she was bitten while Ellie's bite begins to heal, proving her immunity. Joel shoots an infected, which alerts the swarm to their location. Tess convinces him to escape with Ellie while she stays behind, blowing up the building and killing herself along with the horde. Um, I'm just going to say this I'm a huge Anna Torf fan. I have been since Fringe. Yeah. <laughs> She does not do near enough. She was in Mine Hunter. Um, she was in this. She's had a couple bit roles here and there. Um, even though I knew Tess's fate, it was still like, no, I'm not ready to give up on Anna Torv yet. So I need more Anna Torv on my TV. She's a phenomenal actress. But, John, what I loved about this episode was it took a lot of stuff from the game frame for frame. But I loved how they, in this episode, really established it as what's different from this type of zombie apocalypse and what's different from these with these particular creatures that you've never really seen before in another zombie type post-apocalyptic movie or show
2: Mm. i I found it and i think i put in my review that it's it's the episode where if you think everything's going to be like the walking dead you suddenly Mm. realize it's actually invasion of the body snap just in a way you know it's 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 it's, um not exactly but but I was still a little confused by the end of it. It's like, okay, how fast do people get um, uh, you know, get corrupted by this, infected by everything? Uh, and it's actually a couple of episodes later before they they start going into a little bit more of, of the past. not in huge you know huge ways, but just in, in little conversational pieces. I don't know if I'm completely sold that it would over what happened would happen quite as quickly, given the logic of what they've said happened. But I can imagine, you know, taking dramatic license and saying this might happen on a on a smaller scale. Anatov is brilliant. I think, you know, she's absolutely the best thing in the second episode. And that, that's a pretty high benchmark. I was a little disappointed when they announced stuff um that Annie Wershing wasn't going to um recreate her role of Tess. Um now I, I'm guessing. What At least one of those reasons was because uh, Annie Worsham was very ill. She died this weekend, who played the original Tess. Um, it would have been nice to see her. She's obviously a very capable, very capable actress, was in 24, Timeless, The Rookie, and a lot of other things. And I would like to have seen her. I, I can imagine her playing, play, recreating yes. the role of, of Tess. But Anna Torv was still absolutely amazing. Uh, I mean, absolutely was the best thing in the second episode. Um and it's it's just full of great performances. You're gonna see um more characters that are you know from the from the game, some characters that are new to the game uh, new but may be mentioned or are there for a reason because of something that happened in the game. Um, it's just if you look by the end of by the time we're done on this season, the acting talent involved, it's good actors, not necessarily always huge, huge massive names. But you go, oh, that's oh, I like them, and just doing fantastic things. So it's it's full of really good performances throughout.
0: Kevin, for you seeing this episode, obviously, kind of the science behind what's caused this infection is, I think, is very fascinating and something different. But can we talk about
1: practical effects for a minute? The no. quickers, how amazing oh. were those effects? The clicker kiss. Oh my God. Still creeps me (laughs) so out, but done so well. The makeup, the fact though, the thing that not just the practical effects, but also the digital effects is I want to give love to here, especially when you see um, Ellie's um, first reaction to the views that she's not used to seeing. And then Mm -hmm. looking in uh, looking way off and seeing the weird zombies kind of laying around and writhing (laughs) and how they're all connected uh, was yeah. just really, really creepy and done really, really, really well. And, you know, the way this episode starts off with the whole flashback to Jakarta and the woman who is like looking at one of the early cases and she's cutting into it and then she freaks out and gets the hell out of that operating room. And then she realizes the scope of things and she says, bomb the city. Hmm. My God, I did that! (laughs) that, Oh my God! And then, like, then you start getting into the episode, and it's just—it's fascinating. And and this is where we really start to see uh, some of the uh, the really good um, acting with our our main characters here. And as much as I love Anator for the same reasons, Kyle Fringe and and Mm. everything else, I was just like, I'm waiting for her to die. I wasn't expecting to happen (laughs) in this episode, so it caught me off guard. But I was expecting it for her to die eventually.
0: Yeah, it's it's just so well done. And I think that's one of the biggest things. Yes, Uh, nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Uh, What's what's up, David Lozano out there in the chat?
1: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. nuke it. Nuke the site from orbit.
0: (laughs) But I think the big thing about this, and Kevin, we've had this conversation about TV and how maybe was Game of Thrones like the last water cooler TV show. And I really think Hmm. HBO is, of course, it's HBO, first of all. But they've done it again, and they've got a show that everybody is talking about. It's crossing all the barriers. People are talking about it universally. It is so well acted, so well produced. The set design is beautiful. I mean, you look, you feel like you're right in the game. And I know a big part of that, too, is Naughty Dog, who is the producer of the video game, has heavy involvement with the writing and the development of this, more than I think any, like even you could say Nintendo to mm. add with other show things or Sony. Yeah. But Kevin, I, I'm going to ask you this first because you are the guy coming from not really knowing the game. Are you are you feeling that like early Game of Thrones, just that feeling of like this show is something more, something special?
1: HBO set the benchmark for water cooler television um, because we kind of lost it for a while, and then um then it came back and of course you know we had sopranos and and they've gone on to do that for having these sunday night nights you know we're talking about it on monday morning and they had it with game of thrones of course and of course house of the dragon was able to uh, to, to get our attention as well but i think that this is getting a special buzz that house of dragon did not and it's getting a special buzz and I mean special good and positive buzz, not just from the uh, casual fans of like myself who are just watching it for the first time and learning it, but also the people that have played the game and understand it and are getting all these little idiosyncrasies and, and, and uh, um, you know, call outs to the, to the game and stuff like that. Yet I'm still hearing fans saying positively that's not in the game, but boy, does it fit in this world. And I'm glad they were able to expand on it and throw it into the movie, you know, and stuff, or throw it into the TV series. But yeah, it's it's definitely prestige television, as, as fans are calling it.
0: John, I, I think, too, I mean, a lot of people, are, you know, are trying to compare this to, like, when The Walking Dead first came out. Because I remember just that feeling of watching The Walking Dead and feeling like they pulled it right from the comic in those early, early, early seasons. Mm-hmm. And I, I even will. Mean, I have no problem saying, even now with just three episodes, The Last of Us has
1: surpassed that
0: feeling. Yeah. And I just, and again, it's it's HBO and nobody. The truth, let's just say it. HBO is the standard setter for premium television in mm-hmm. these kind of shows. And I don't think there's anybody who's come close to what HBO has been doing for the last twenty plus years.
2: The, I mean,
1: The, 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 Mandal- the Mandalorian eventually- maybe. John, maybe the Mandalorian.
2: You know, I, I I I know a lot of people absolutely adore the Mandalorian, and I do like it for what it is. And for me, what it is is two things: going back to the tone of the original Star Wars, and a very very good marketing exercise for action figures. Um, I don't think it holds a candle in any way, shape, or form to something like The Last of Us, which is character driven. Um, mm-hmm. All due respect, it's a lovely to watch the Mandalorian. I will be watching it the same as everybody else when it's back, I think in March, isn't it? Um, But it's, but it's, but it's very simplistic. I think when you compare it to something and that's fine because not everything should be deep, heavy, you know, nailistic stuff.
1: What what I mean specifically is appointment television, meaning that Mm. you want to make sure you watch it right away. So you're not spoiled a few hours later. I mean, it was affecting my sleep schedule and I've (laughs) made a point seriously when it drops at midnight i would watch it before i go to work early in the morning but for the last of us i now know when it comes on first showing on hbo where i don't have it on my uh, hbo max yet because it's not on demand right away and so but i know that it starts at a certain time on sunday nights and i'm looking at the clock going aaron i love you but it's getting ready to come on i gotta go (laughs)
2: <laughs> I know, you know, Kevin is the guy who went to Australia just so he could watch things at a better hour. So yeah. it's. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, 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 t- I tell you, it is uh, appointment TV. I, I, You know, marketing does come down a lot. Marketing will produce the figures for your opening episode. Uh, it will generate interest. People will say, oh, I have to, oh, it's got this actor in it, or this person's directed in it, or it's linked to this. Uh, um, people will turn up for your first episode. They will start dropping off very quickly if you don't deliver on everything you promise. Um, and I, I, the, one, the interesting thing about appointment TV now is I think you, you actually nailed it there. Uh, in a sideways way, appointment TV is you watching stuff when you want to watch it now networks are, are, uh, are not doing that well with shows that are on at eight o'clock on a Monday or a Sunday or whatever you the shows that are doing best are the ones that are available for you to watch at your leisure at any point after Sunday eight o'clock or whatever so a lot of people tuned in for the last of us I am sure as the you know, as the report said at I like think it was eight o'clock that you know the, the, that it launched on, on HBO. But the numbers, the astronomical numbers are probably people who have been watching it in the four or five days after that, when people went, oh, my God, you have to watch this. And they went, "Okay, HBO Max and I'll watch it. We've changed our viewing habits um, and in some ways for the better, because now we can somebody can say this is really good. And you haven't missed the opening episode, um, which was always a thing for me, like, oh, how am I going to catch up? You know, I've got to make this effort. You know, I've got to try and find it somewhere or whatever. It's with stuff like this. It it was already incredibly well marketed, and people can watch it at their leisure. You know, you can tune in and watch the first episode now uh, and catch up pretty quickly. That helps a show because the word of mouth works then as well.
0: Yeah, just to give you an idea, um, the jump between ratings from episode one to episode two The Last of Us was the biggest ratings jump of a show yeah. in HBO history. So that gives you an idea. Oh, and by, by the way, John, I am going to brave the white, white out Armageddon because I'm going to come steal your screeners. <laughs> <laughs> Do
2: you know, I, I know if, you know, if anybody from HBO is watching, the amount of security that I, I, I can literally, I can watch this on one device uh, a limited amount of times with my watermark all over it and some of the effects weren't finished. That That is the, uh, th- 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 there is some bits where it goes, you know, this, this, you can tell where there's something in the bank and you just go, yeah, they're going to obviously tweak that slightly. um You know, they, there's security and it was just like, yeah, I promise, you know, I'm not going to, you know, review stuff ahead of time or whatever. I mean, drop little hints here and there, but you know, I'm not going to do anything that's going to have uh, the knocking on my door, but yes, they'd been eager to get the information out, but they also didn't, I think they wanted word out without spoilers coming out. It helps that it's that it's you know the source material is a game. If you want to know what happens in this series, play the game. You know, I don't think it's a huge spoiler to say that this season is pretty much the first game, Um, and everybody I think already said that uh, connected with it. So if you want to know that all the uh, ninety percent of the information is out there, Um, or at least some of it. Some of the there are some changes that will be coming up. Um, But if you are familiar with the game, you probably know where the major beats are going to be for the next, the uh, next seven weeks or so.
0: So, so just, just, just before we get to fan comments here, I just want to (laughs) establish the last of us is more secure than uh, government classified documents. I think we
2: I think we can, think we can my shopping list is more secure than some government documents. <laughs> <at> this <point. laughs>
0: Kevin, you got some fan comments about the last
1: Yeah. One. We've, we've gone over episode three already. And of course mm. uh, it's, it's important at the end of that episode to know that uh, Bill left Joel, his truck and weapons supplies. Joel takes mm. a trek and sets out with Ellie to find Tommy. And I love how that set up to all that, and, and that we learned a little bit about the relationship and, you know, uh, Bill didn't really like Joel, but he knows the type of person that, that he is. But I did want to read some fan comments that uh, we posted on social media here. And uh, we got some great, a uh, couple of great comments here. My friend Pete said, I absolutely love the show. Last of Us 1 and 2 are my two favorite games of all time. Love what they've done here. Soundtrack is amazing. Acting is top mo- no- notch. They've stuck to the game a ton and added great backstory where there wasn't any. And uh, he put in parentheses, Bill and Frank. Can't wait to see where it goes. Uh, my friend Dan says, the show is awesome. Best game adaptation I've seen. The whole world of the game has been brought to life. Uh, and um, Dan also said, uh, the truck scene in the first episode, I was hooked. I am loving the music too. And Pete also mentioned that too. The music is very haunting. And it's, it's one of the things I'm noticing. Have you noticed how good this music is, uh, John?
2: yeah and it's something that will continue um you know the same way that the Kate Bush you know had a sudden career thing with Stranger Things I, I'm understanding Linda Ronstadt you know went up something like four thousand percent on Spotify <laughs> uh went on Spotify. there is some music in the next episode as well some classic episode there will be a soundtrack coming out of this I don't, okay. obviously, I don't think it will be out there already I bet you the moment the last episode drops they'll tell you where you can get the soundtrack uh, there are some classic, very well. I mean, Depeche Mode, Linda Ronstadt. Some yeah, you know, some people in the next. The, episode. The whole
1: thing uh, with playing the music and whatever genre that it was sent different messages. I love how eighties music was just—it its bad. It's bad.
2: <laughs> what, one of the tracks onto they, that. <laughs> one of the tracks they used to market it was was. Um, Aha! Take on me, which yeah. anybody who knows who played the game will know. You know, it's not just a random thing. That's you know, it's actually mentioned. You know, it's actually featured in the game. I'm kind of yes. surprised it's not featured more already. You know, it's been featured in the marketing, and I was half expecting stuff to be you know to be you know almost sick of the song by the time you know the series came about. It's used very sparingly. I've heard you know a few chords and stuff in there. Um, but yeah, it's I, it's great to I, yeah, it's absolutely gonna, and it's gonna be like number one on the you know the Billboard charts. I'm sure there's something for everybody in that. That's nice. it.
1: That's what I have for comments from fans. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think I think to say this is one of the most universally
0: loved shows we've seen in a good while. I think it's definitely already up in that upper echelon path pantheon. And um, from what I know of the game, and what what John knows, and what John's Gotten to see ahead, it sounds like it's just going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. It's, we will definitely be covering I, more. No, last, no, episode. I, I just, I,
2: mm-hmm. just going to say Go it, it's. I, I think in many ways the the third episode is almost the benchmark of acting performances. But I can say without without spoilers that you're going you're going to see. Is it this next episode? I think where there's a character that's not in the game at all, but they inform a character that was in the game and that you'll you'll also meet um so it's backstories it's what they've done is take say okay this happened in the game now we're going to take this out and expand it out and say why it happened and you know why was this person doing this there are changes there are still some changes to come nothing i think is going to worry anybody um but stuff where i think people will just go that was done well um uh the real question will be where they go after this season for reasons that I don't want to mention Kevin to Kyle. Um, but, but Kyle, yeah, but we it need, will be made sure what we do next.
1: Kyle, we need John to be our non-spoiler hype man before, right before each episode drops. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm getting exactly. excited. I'm getting excited. Yeah, absolutely. But we are <laughs> going to be covering
0: more of the last of us. Oh, um, as we as we continue on, John, I know you'll be back to talk more last less of us. I don't think I have yeah. to push your arm too much for that. But Absolutely. we've been having some fun with TV this th- th- this episode, and we're going to have a little bit more fun with TV when we come back because it's Kevin. You, you pulled the magic eight ball out from the old Phantom Podcast Network um, archive archives, and you know we have our own little warehouse, kind of like Raiders of the Lost Ark, but it's
1: signs point area. to yes. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I, I have the prototype. Thinking. I have the program. Ah, to <laughs> Bill, we, this is the classic.
1: <laughs> there we go.
0: But first, before we get into that, we got to tell you what else is going on around the Fandom Podcast Network.
1: Thank you for listening. We hope you're enjoying this podcast. Here are the other great shows on the Fandom Podcast Network. Culture Clash, where we discuss the latest in entertainment and pop culture. Blood of Kings, our show covering the entire Highlander universe. Couch Potato Theater, we celebrate our favorite movies. And Time Warp, our fandom flashback show discussing a year in movies and our favorite retro movie, TV, and pop culture topics. Good evening, discussing all things Alfred Hitchcock. Hair Metal Podcast, we cover the rock metal music of the 80s and early 90s. Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast, discussing the time-traveling Doctor Who universe. Lethal Mullet, an action film podcast, covering the 80s, 90s, and beyond. Also, check out the Lethal Mullet Network for more great podcasts. What a Piece of Junk, our Star Wars podcast. Making Treks, a Star Trek podcast, with a deep dive into the final frontier. The Fandom Show our Fandom Podcast Network live YouTube show discussing the hottest topics in fandom, the True Believers MCU podcast discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Television Universe, Union Federation, our Star Trek and the Orville show. And we're proud to welcome the BQN Network to the Fandom Podcast Network. Please visit our friends on the BQN Network, a Star Trek universe podcast that also includes your favorite topics, movies, history, superheroes, and more. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on YouTube. Fandom Podcast Network is also on all major podcast platforms. The Fandom Podcast Network Audio Master Feed is on Podbean at fpnet.podbean.com. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can email us at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and remember, respect others and enjoy your fandom.
0: And welcome back as we strive to continue to make great podcasts to feed your ears, but don't touch that dial because we are going to be talking some TV, most specifically the magic eight ball. Now, Kevin, would you care to explain how the magic eight ball works for the Phantom podcast network? Cause it's a yes, little backwards. It's,
1: yeah. it's a it's a fun uh, segment that we like to do where we have a possessed magic eight ball. And what it demands of you is to pick your top eight favorite things in a certain category. And we've had a lot of fun covering categories And uh, you uh, were possessed by it, Kyle, and it channeled you to make us ask us ourselves, present them and to our fans. And we don't have to do eight, John, but we want to know what are your most rewatchable TV shows. And we bring this up because I'm sure the Magic 8 Ball was possessed by The Last of Us, knowing that this is a show that is already rewatchable. Who's not watching one episode more than once like I am? So, yes, we're going to give each of our – we're going to give some um, uh, honorable mentions, and then we're going to give our top eight. uh, And we got some fans that chimed in as well.
0: Kevin, the eight ball wasn't possessed. You left it in the basement too long. You haven't cleaned it. Fungal infection. You know. (laughs) True story. (laughs) (laughs) So, before we get started with our thoughts here, gentlemen, Kevin, can you hit up the fan section? Give us what some of the fans have – Rated as their most rewatchable show.
1: Yes. And I love our fans and our friends uh, on, on social media because they reminded me by a couple that I forgot to mention and that I've put in my list or honorable mentions. But I want to briefly go over these here. Our friend Lacey, of course, wonderful contributor to the Fandom Podcast Network and Time Warp uh, podcast. She mentioned Supernatural, Gilmore Girls, Friday Night Lights, White Collar, The Weedonverse, Rain, Psych, Mash, Stargate, Schitt's Creek, The 70s Show, Covert Affairs. Nice one. Voyager, Smallville, The Tudors, Chuck, Warehouse 13, and Eureka. My friend Rita says, Friends at 70 Show, How I Met Your Mother, Parks and Rec, Schitt's Creek, Ted Lasso, Northern Exposure, way better if you can find bootlegs with the original soundtrack and songs. Uh, our friend Sarah Woloski says Richard and I have been rewatching the office about four times. Also timeless is so good. And every time I rewatch mm-hmm. it, I find something seated in the first episode that plays out towards the end. Uh, also, she loves one division too. She loves revisiting that. Um, Matthew Clifton just said justified and season one of true detective. Well done. Great, great suggestion there. Uh, also Rick Peralta, Rick Peralta said grim, firefly buffy doctor who ted lasso the good place highlander yes ds9 and uh rick also said and good luck finding it but the best show that ever was homicide life on the street it was an awesome Mm -hmm. show (laughs)
0: yeah so first of all thank you to all of our listeners for contributing your thoughts we greatly appreciate a lot of shows that didn't happen to make our honorable mentions or our main list but we do have some honorable mentions. I'm just going to run down mine real quick. Um, Kevin, I know you'll recognize a few of these. Killjoys, the f- absolutely fun science fiction show from the Sci-Fi channel. The Arrowverse, so we're talking Flash, Green Lantern, Legends of Tomorrow, those things. The Expanse, V, the classic 80 miniseries and TV show that's been spun out of it. A couple of classic animated Batman things, both Batman Beyond and Batman the Animated Series. Um, one of my favorite sitcoms of all time, Night Court we talked about it a little earlier fringe um, my favorite jj abrams mm. thing um of course the the weed inverse buffy angel on the anime, anime side robotech kevin i know you can appreciate that um, daredevil netflix series probably my favorite of those daredevil of those marvel netflix series star wars the clone wars stargate sg1 tron uprising a great animated show that came out during the time when uh, tron legacy came out um Early seasons of The Walking Dead. I want
1: to be very specific here.
0: (laughs) And and lastly, one of my all-time favorite shows, Suits.
1: Suits, yes. Good one. Uh, My uh, honorable mentions are The IT Crowd. I just recently uh, introduced that to uh, Erin and her uh, mom in Australia. Her mom, who is British, was yucking it up. Uh, I put Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager together uh, just because I love going back and forth between those two. Uh, Miami Vice, Stargate SG-1, The Mandalorian, Buffy and Angel as well. Alias, love Alias. Killjoys as well. Get Smart, Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Robotech, but I like to clarify the Macross saga. I I can just keep watching that over and over again. Uh, And How to Train Your Dragon TV Series because I hope it's soft spot watching that with my daughter we still love revisiting those episodes those are some honorable mentions
0: john just out of curiosity i know you you have a few do you have anything you would consider like an honorable mention for you
2: um i like i like a lot of things in the moment and i like rediscovering them when i've almost not forgotten about them but when i haven't watched them for a long time um when i was uh ill in 2008 um i was kind of hospitalized for a while um my dad uh, my mum and dad bought me the west wing box set i know mm-hmm. it's not genre tv but the west wing is just superb writing every so often i will just yeah i will put in an episode and just go this is good writing i don't care where your politics okay you're you're tasting tv it's just so well written some of it um yeah. so that's kind of i suppose my honorable mention i still have the box set behind me here yeah. um so yeah that's a kind of honorable mention for me i guess yeah
0: um that reminds me of something which i would put in my honor who was not the west wing but the newsroom from, from uh, HBO.
2: Yeah. i i don't know it's not available on dvd i was looking a while back and i uh, i think there was some individual seasons and stuff but i was i'm gonna have to get the box set at some point i think it's ridiculously priced but i did like the newsroom
0: yeah no it was a lot of fun but let's get into our top eight kevin um You want me to go first or would you like to go first?
1: Uh, You can go first because your number eight is on my list and we can uh, just knock mine off there. So, yeah. Okay.
0: Now, I want to say this too. These rankings, we're just throwing our eight out there. They're not necessarily in a particular order, but um, Game of Thrones, Kevin. Yes. Uh, Say what you will about the final season. Game of Thrones is one of the most rewatchable shows. Uh, To me, it's worth it just for Peter Dinklage's
1: performance alone, but one of the most epic TV shows ever made. Uh one thing that House of Dragon did for me was want to go back and rewatch uh, Game of Thrones. And I'm on uh season three right now. I'm doing a slow rewatch of it, but man, there are some wonderful performances in there and I love revisiting it because man, there's a lot to remember on that show.
0: <laughs> that there is. Uh what about you, John? Is, would Game of Thrones fall into your top eight?
2: Yeah, it's something I haven't rewatched in a long time, but it's something I have on my list to rewatch at some point. I was very lucky, I think, that for many years people said, you must watch this show. It is everything you like. And it was kind of like it got towards like the end of the second series, beginning of the third. And there'd been so many other things that I was invested in. It was like, okay, this is pinned to the board. I'm definitely gonna watch it. And Jill and I started watching it probably as the fifth season was underway. So we got to binge watch nice. five seasons before <laughs> we then settled in. And I do think that's that's it's interesting. when we re-watch stuff now, chances are we can binge watch. and that's a very different experience sometimes from what we when we originally saw it. Which was doled out maybe you know every week. If you were in Britain, you might not even get an American show every week. You might have to rely on American friends to to help you out in that regard. Um, so it's it's a diff- it's a, it's interesting. I don't know if you found that watching something, it's not just the time that's that's changed. You know, if it's an older show, but it's it's the way we're watching. The way you can bing 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 a whole season of episodes, and it's a different experience.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's it's definitely changed streaming and DVD and. Having these shows where we're not trying to search our reruns definitely has changed that. But
2: mm. Kevin, I'm looking at the the, the list. I the list I've got. You've mentioned most of them actually. I mean, Doctor Who. I think it, it, there is something for everybody. Whatever your opinion of any era, there is something for you to go back and watch <laughs> uh, and enjoy. West Wing. I've already mentioned. You probably won't even have seen this series. Press Gan, which was one of the earliest ones by Steve Moffat about a a kids' newspaper. It went out at a, sort of tea time, about five o'clock kids TV viewing, but it was very much not kids TV, it was way more intelligent than that Uh, and there's a couple of episodes of that which were really just masterclasses in in writing something and spooning spooning out information uh, bit by bit, Um, Steve Moffat you can can almost tell it was Steve Moffat all those years before Doctor Who and and, and Coupling Um, Oh, Coupling,
1: I remember Coupling I (laughs) I watched that over and over again
2: (laughs) um press Game was funny but it also had yeah. its dramatic moments it was it was um there was a lovely episode yeah. a two-part episode uh, and i'm not going to spoil too much of it but it was about opening on a funeral and there's been a shooting uh, at the the the, 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 you know, the college newspaper the, the school newspaper offices and somebody's dead but you don't know who it is so it flash keeps flashing back to what happened and you mm-hmm. are spoon-fed like, it, like so that until everything kind of joins up masterclass in writing. I could watch that again and again and again just to show how something is, is put together. So if anybody can ever find that, I'm sure actually parts of it are um, on YouTube. Legitimately, I think. Um, Kyle. Go ahead, sorry. No, it just, was just, uh, Highlander. Nobody's mentioned that. It's a little show nobody's heard of, but I quite like it. Um, let's have a look. Firefly, obviously. I have to say, one of my things I love watching when I get the chance is Person of Interest, um, mm, which yeah. I thought Uh, has one of my favorite hours of television um uh one of the episodes where one where a character dies and it's what happens after that um what people decide to do in retribution again a masterclass in how to put an episode together i admire on a technical level as well as the performances um so i can watch at least some episodes of that back to back um Buffy, Firefly, I'm just looking through my list. Yeah, most of mine are fairly predictable, but yeah, as I say, it's some of the stuff that I will just suddenly remember and go, is that available on DVD? And usually, <laughs> no, it's not. But I yeah, I live in hope.
1: Well,
0: Kevin and I are going to run through our list, so John, if there's oh. something you want to input on on that too. Kevin?
1: Yeah, real quick, sorry. I, I messed up, Kyle. There are some other comments from our fans that I I didn't scroll up enough, and I, I want to mention them before okay, we go yeah, through the rest of our yeah, list go here. ahead. Our, our good friend of the, sh- of the network and also attended uh, me and Aaron's wedding, Jennifer Walk, said Criminal Minds, the original 15 seasons. Uh, our buddy Stevie McLeod said Expanse, Star Trek, TOS, Voyager, and DS9. Love, Death, and Robots. Mm. Uh, and I just finished a rewatch of this entire series. David Madden said The Big Bang Theory. Uh, Amanda, Amanda says uh, Chuck is my go-to. See it every year. Our friend Sean Dempsey said, Supernatural, my daughter's always re-watching this, and I walk into the room, sit down, expecting only to watch five minutes, and next thing I know, I've watched five episodes. He also mentions Highlander, Doctor Who, Airwolf, Space 1999, Star Trek, TOS, DS9, TNG, Six Million Dollar Man, Miami Vice, Magnum PI, old and new, The Rockford Files, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Oh my God, that brings back memories. Love that show. Uh, And Colleen Best says uh, Corner Gas, MASH, WKRP for sitcoms, any Trek shows from the original through Enterprise, Babylon 5, Farscape, any Stargate series. And I had to ask her about this one, John. Do you remember Space Station 1, a a British television uh, series she said that came out in the 90s?
2: Space station no space cops? Uh space, space, space station,
1: station one she called it. I, I wasn't familiar oh. with it, but uh
2: she I, said she doesn't, really doesn't ring doesn't ring a bell with me, but okay. it, I might know it's yeah. something else or whatever. Okay. I, I can't the name, the title doesn't win a bell. to be honest. It, um, maybe
1: it's called something else. I don't know. But she she remembers it as Space Station 1. Uh, she also goes on to say Merlin, Highlander as well, Highlander Raven, Buffy, Angel, Hercules, Zena, Mutant X or Fantasy. And I love this. She went back to the old school TV shows, uh, variety shows, Red Skelton Show, one of my favorites, Carol Burnett Show, Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Uh, and she says she's got a lot of these on VHS, So I thought that was cool. And my good friend, Bob says Northern exposure. And, uh, yeah, and then, uh, I've already said Lacey, but I, I forgot some people's comments and I would, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that. So, yeah,
2: well, it's interesting that, that a they... lot of, sh- a lot of shows are, are, are very episodic now. I think a lot of the earlier shows, you can watch a single episode. I can go back and watch Leverage. You know, from, you know yeah. from some of the new ones, redemption and whatever. But you can watch them. And you can go, okay, I can watch that for an hour and then pick it. And I don't have to watch the. I don't feel I had to watch the next one immediately to find out what happened. It's yeah. fun, and I. That was more classic TV. Was more standalone.
0: Uh, Kevin, you hear that sound? Yes, I, I'm. I might be knocking on your
1: door. Come and knock on my door, we've been waiting for you, where the kisses are hers and hers and his, Three's Company too. (laughs) One of my favorite all-time sitcoms. Kyle, I actually did put my list in order, and Three's Company made it in at number eight. I love that show. Jack Tripper's one of the funniest men on TV, and I was actually more of a fan of the Terry years than I was Suzanne Somers. Terry was fantastic and made me laugh.
0: I want, to dr- I want you to tell us your number seven right now, though, Kevin, because I find this very interesting. Because I know okay. you love for this property.
1: Yes, I'm a huge Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fan. I remember getting the original black and white comics, the ones that weren't for kids back in the early 80s. I had to get some reprints because the first prints were out of stock. Uh, and so I've kind of followed the turtles and all the incarnations. I've seen all the films. I've seen uh, most of the animated films or animated series all the way through. The one that I actually enjoy the most because I've rewatched it the most because of my daughter and I got her into the Teenage Mutant Turtles was the 2012 to 2017 Nickelodeon series. I thought they did a really good job of not just placating to the kids, but also doing a lot of throwbacks to the original series in the comics. And they had a really fun episode where all the turtles from all the incarnations showed up together, which was really great. And I love that Nickelodeon animated series. There's a lot of humor in it as well, but they weren't afraid to kill people off either and uh that i can just sit down and watch any episode of that anytime
0: for me my number seven er coming out with michael Crichton at the height of his powers um i love this show that i have been a fan of the show through all of its different incarnations and when you really go back and look at like imdb and the who's who list of not only were regulars on er but people who had guest arcs on er yeah. it, it it's it's spectacular and, and the
1: fantastic live episode they did twice.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was, it, it, it's, I think it was a groundbreaking television series and uh, one of my all time favorites. Um, number six on my list, Kevin, as one I, John, I know you, you had on yours too. Um, and you have it at six on your list, Kevin. I still think it's one of the most interesting histories of a TV show ever. And that is Josh Whedon's Firefly.
1: I aim to misbehave.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I mean, so mishandled by Fox. If it would have been put out in order, we probably have had a totally different story here. Maybe even a little bit of ahead of its time. But get saved. We get the Serenity movie out of it. There's still to this day people who are clamoring for more Firefly. And um, Nathan Filion no matter what role he might have, whether it's Castle, the Rookie, whatever, most of us are going to just look at him and go, Captain. I, yep.
2: I can make I can make you utterly hate me even more than you do already. Just briefly, by saying I went on the Firefly set before it was. I didn't meet any of the cast at the time, but I I happened to be doing some stuff at Mutant, Mutant Enemy, and they showed me. The, the, I walked through uh, the set of so, 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 so Serenity, from, which was built oh. as one big thing inside, and I also spent a weekend uh, at the Edinburgh Film Festival with the cast. Um, I'm not, the talking um, not talking to John. Not talking to John. I, That's I, awesome, I have, dude. I, I I have gone. I went on a pub crawl with Nathan Fillion. Oh, <laughs> and, well, not only did um, you hang
1: out with him in Scotland as well.
2: I, I, <laughs> yeah, they came across. I, I, very briefly, I don't want to bore anybody, but yeah, basically, I I knew the publicist at the time, and they knew I was a big fan, and, and one of the publicists was a huge fan as well. Uh, and they said, "Yeah, we're having we're having the premiere. Um, we can get you we can get you to t- well, you know, we can get you in." It was like, "Good man." Thank um, you. Know, thanks to Debbie Turner if she's if she's watching this. Um, and uh, she said, "Come up the night before. Um, yeah, we'll have a we'll, yeah we'll have a meal or something." And I went, "Great. You know, I haven't seen you for a while. It'd be fantastic." I didn't know she meant a meal with the cast. So there was me, one <laughs> of the journalists, the PR people, and everybody who was in the film. You know all, all the main cast of the film. I was sat with. Oh, I hate this. It sounds like I'm boasting. It's just—it's just such a good memory. Gina no, Torres, it's it's great, great story. it's boasting. Yeah. So, that's so awesome. Just, just, fan- and then fantastic. Uh, it's just uh, amazing people. Fantastic time. Um, and that, and not boasting or anything. That's just one of that's mm-hmm. the highlight of my career. Was just like hanging out for 48 hours in, in Edinburgh with them. Uh, and yeah, great so story. that's Firefly Serenity. Perfect.
0: Firefly has an interesting little history here at the Fandom Podcast Network, too, because if you look over my shoulder here in the background, you will see a picture of the Firefly cast, which I personally had each one of them sign over about a 15-year period, Um, (laughs) and both Kevin and I, as we started this little venture, found out we were both missing the same person on our autograph collection for Firefly, the wonderfully talented Ms. Gina Torres.
1: Yeah, and, I was oh. starting an individual. I had this card set of the entire uh, cast, and it took me years to get like all of them signed. And the only one I was missing was Gina Torres. And Kyle was missing that. And didn't I send you my Gina Torres card to get signed, Kyle? Yeah. Is that what <laughs> she, happened? She, she,
0: was, she, she finally came to Florida. She'd have been doing cons on the West Coast forever, and she was finally on the East Coast. She came to Florida, and I, I said, I, I'm going to this con just so I can <laughs> finish this i've been waiting years for this she signed it i told her the story she was doing suits at the time and i was loving yeah. her in suits and i got a great suits conversation out of her but yeah firefly has a warm spot here with the Phantom podcast network for I, a numerous yeah. amount of reasons
2: i've got a poster and i never managed to get ron uh ron um Ron glasses or alan tudyk neither of those that were up in edinburgh so those were the two i was missing from that. Yes, there's always one you're missing I have a usual yeah, suspects uh, poster, and I can't. I haven't got Kevin Pollock's at the signature on it. I've all <laughs> complete.
0: <laughs> Kevin, I'm gonna let you go next because we've already. You're number five. We've already talked about with Game of Thrones. Yeah, but you're number four. I'm just gonna kind of sit back and let the you and John just. Um. <laughs> quick quicking it out. <laughs>
1: well, I thought it was funny that John said no one mentioned Highlander and I'm like, well, that's cause I'm waiting. Highlander is number four on my list for obvious reasons. And for those I... of you that have listened to Bloody Kings for a very long time, John, I just <laughs> want to remind you, I didn't get on the Highlander TV series when it aired. Uh, it was airing at weird times in California and I missed out on it. And I said, I'm going to find a way to get into that TV series. And it wasn't until the first season dropped on DVD in like was it 1999 or whatever and then i was traveling a lot at a job that i had and i had this little dvd player and i had highlander and stargate sg1 and that's all i watched, and that's how i got caught up in highlander and then it led to some podcasting (laughs) (laughs) and meeting john
0: (laughs) (laughs) john you don't know anything about highlander do
2: you I, no, I, 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 I hope to this day that Kevin writes a book so I can learn all the details. <laughs> it's, it's um, yeah, no, I, I'm actually the same as, wow, that's, that, oh, no, wait. I thought that was one of those rare non-autographed copies. <laughs> <laughs> this is
1: Fearful Symmetry, the essential guide to all things Highlander, written by our guest here, John Mosby. And yes, there is more signed ones than unsigned ones. <laughs>
2: Yeah, this hold on a This, this, that's, that's the cash I promised for you. <laughs> there we go. There's the cash. Thank you for that.
1: John and there I have a lot of Highlander stories to tell, and uh, it's a special place <laughs> in my heart. John and I (laughs) have met through Highlander and we have a lot of mutual friends because of that wonderful fandom. So, yeah. Yeah.
2: I didn't watch it that much. Uh, I missed it. I didn't. In England, it wasn't shown very regularly at all. I relied on on tapes coming uh, on a tape tree, effectively coming from from the U.S. And I would uh, my friend Carol Luby, who organized a lot of the Chronicles events uh, uh, in England uh, at the time. She had, and we both had friends that would send us tapes. And you know, about once a month or every six weeks, we would bring all the tapes around and watch all the latest episodes and stuff. That's so um,
1: hardcore. That's sorry. so 90s yeah. and early 2000s. Yeah. Oh, it's
2: totally <laughs> we were High rock, Highlander,
1: man. one of the
0: kings of syndicated television in the United States in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, totally.
0: Number five, number five for me, all I gotta say is a long time ago, we used to be friends, Veronica Mars. Oh, yeah,
2: um.
0: I love this show. I met Kristen Bell um, when she was doing Veronica Mars. Um, it was in between season two and season three. She is a sweetheart. Um, I might be crushing on her and have been for probably as <laughs> my introduction to, to her and Deadwood of all things. But um, she is phenomenal in this. Um, and she has made this character. In this, and like Firefly, a show with a very, very interesting history of survival. <laughs> between movies, mm-hmm. the last, of course, the last season of Veronica Mars um, was a Hulu exclusive for a while, and there's still talk of them mm-hmm. trying to do more. So, um, love this show. It's, it's it's a great time capsule to that time period too, when that show is made. Um, Amanda yeah. Seyfried in season one, um, a lot of people would uh, appeared on Veronica Mars. Absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite detective great shows. show,
2: great yeah. show. Um, smart, smart. Kevin,
0: you, you you're going old school. Number three, I consider it old school because we got a whole new wave of this particular uh, franchise out now.
1: I'm going to reach behind me here in my DVD library and pull out my original copies of Star Trek, the next generation DVD box sets. Now, we remember when these came out, they were like over $100 a piece. (laughs) And uh, the Blu-rays came out. They came out on VHS as well, I think. But uh, these were special, too, because when you would buy them, uh, sometimes they would come with like an extra CD with some special features and stuff. But Star Trek Next Generation, 1987, it started. This is the Star Trek that really made me a Trekkie. Uh, I remember watching the original series with my mom from time to time, going to the movies and seeing uh, um, the, the original uh, movies, Star Trek, The Motion Picture, Khan. Uh, but this was what really made me a trekkie. This is my trek and I can watch any episode, um, even the bad ones of Star Trek uh, The Next Generation love this series so much and I'm very proud to still have my original purchased copies of these. Um, I see these every now and then in in, in uh, um, you know thrift stores and stuff like that. It makes me kind of sad that other people let them go. but I can't let these go. I love these
2: things.
0: Probably one of the most essential television shows of all time, as far as science fiction is concerned. Yeah. So,
2: I wonder, um, I wonder what all those characters are doing now, though. If, if only somebody could do like a whole series about what all the characters from Next Generation are doing now. That would, yeah, be great. <laughs> I, it would be, I'm ni- be it.
1: nice to know what you know, like Nurse Gawa is up to. You know, I'd like to yeah. know.
2: Yeah, if, if you watch so, if you're watching Paramount, you know yeah. that would be great <laughs> if you could arrange that. Yeah. I know, I know Kevin has huge power in green lighting stuff. So, you know, Paramount, if you're listening, go for it.
0: Star Trek The Retirement Home, that's all I'm saying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe um, Star Trek Picard will shed some light season three on some of these characters. Who knows?
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, you, uh, you just don't know. Um, Kevin, I'm going to c- catch up here to you a little bit. Number four for me, um, still, I think, one of the best written shows on television when you talk about dialogue, and that is Justified. Um, yeah, Justified. I mean, Timothy Olyphant and Walden Goggins are just phenomenal in the seven seasons this show run. This, that, to me, the apex of Justified though is actually season two. I think season two is one of the best series seasons of television ever. Um, and the show is coming back this year. They, I, I am very excited. They're doing a nine. I think it's a nine episode run. Um, c- kind of following where what has happened to Marshall Raylan Givens. But yeah, just justify for me. Absolutely brilliant. John, you mentioned this, you said stuff we haven't talked about Dr. Who. I mean, you've got 60 years of Dr. Who out there. If you can't find a favorite doctor, I don't know yeah. what's wrong with you. Um, <laughs> you have classic who you have modern who we've got a whole new, we've got, we've got, uh, doctors in the modern era who have reached come back multiple times now as the doctor. Um, Doctor Who is getting ready to start his 60th year, John. With a whole with the return with the return of the man, many people credit of saving Doctor Who, and we're in we're in for a wild ride with the return of David Tennant uh, and our new 15th Doctor. But John, I, I got to get your uh, at least a few thoughts on Doctor Who. It's here.
2: Do- Doctor Who is like the weather in Iowa. If you don't like it, stick around for 10 minutes because something different will come along. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's um. Yeah, know. Listen, we we could talk at end, you know, uh, about sort of trends in Doctor Who, and um, you know whether you know certain areas that people don't like and areas that people do. But but j- joking aside, that is one of the the explicit things about Doctor Who. You have a shape shifting alien and a tonally different series that can reinvent itself legitimately uh, every every you know like every decade or every you know seven or eight years. Um, and that's not something you can do with most shows. You cannot change the appearance of your character. You can't change the, you know, the outward-looking gender of the, of the character. Doctor Who has within its you know within its mythology the ability, whether people like the examples or not, to do most do most things that most series cannot do. So you legitimately should be able to find something in sixty years that will you know that, that will please you um and if you if you didn't like the jodie Whitaker thing you, you've got new stuff coming up if you don't like the jodie Whitaker era the stuff before it if you don't like the tom baker era the stuff that comes after that you know there's a whole there's there's no such thing um and i i've I said this very loudly recently uh somebody criticized me and said you are not a proper fan of doctor who unless you think this which I think is complete bs because you can it, it, that show can be anything to everybody there is no such thing as as a definitive doctor who fan you, you, there is there are so many people who like it for different reasons different characters you know for different things it is a show that will guarantee has something for you somewhere along the line um you know even the people who, who don't rate it as their, you know as a, as a, a favorite show would probably find something in that history that would make them smile or, or would entertain them. And I don't think you can say that about most shows. Simple as that.
0: Kevin, your number two show, I think still one of the biggest surprises in modern television, as far as it, yeah,
1: how what it became.
0: One yeah, it still is.
1: <laughs> yeah, and there's still not enough people that have seen it, unfortunately. It's uh, the third season was uh, released last year and people kind of started jumping on it, but when it first was going to come out, people just thought it was going to be a parody of a long running beloved franchise of star Trek. And I'm talking about the Orville. Uh, I can't get enough of the Orville instead. It's a (laughs) tribute to the Orville yet. It has defined in character is defined itself in its own world in its character development. But more importantly, Seth MacFarlane, who's known for his, potty humor, you know, with uh, his his animated series. And so he's got a certain type of hero. This show has allowed him to really address some very important, um, uh, I guess you could say, topics that Star Trek and other shows in sci-fi has touched on. But he will draw a line and just cross over it at times and really dive into it. And it's funny how we were talking about how the episode three of Last of Us was one of these like noted episodes that we're going to go back and remember. Episode three of the first season of uh, Orville shocked the hell out of me and a lot of diehard fans for what it did and how it handled it. And they didn't drop that either. They revisited it and it really became an important thread in the third season, which might be its last. We don't know. Please, Disney Plus, fingers crossed. But uh, whether we only eventually have three seasons, I'm so happy. I've got the first two on DVD. I'd like to see the third one released or a box set. We'll see what happens. Absolutely love this show. Can't get enough of it. Keep rewatching it. And we do cover it, uh, of course, and have covered it on uh union federation podcast on the fandom podcast network. And we're going to go back and revisit it. We're actually going to be discussing a novella, an episode that was supposed to come out between episodes eight and nine of this uh, last year season, but because of, um, uh, COVID restrictions, they couldn't get this, this, uh, this 11 seasons done, 11 episode season done and said they did 10 and we're actually going to be covering that novella. That episode was turned into, and, uh, it's quite a shocking, uh, uh extra story love orville if you are a fan of star trek you will love this because it is a wonderful tribute to it but it defines itself and um i just i can't i can go on and on about it
0: yeah it's a phenomenal show i i, I it so surpassed any expectations i had for it and one of the best modern sci-fi shows of the last 10 years um it just it it it, it gave us a whole different side of kirk and i don't think a lot of people do so
2: um, I'm gonna have to different. catch that. I'm gonna have to. I, I, I've seen one episode, and everybody tells me I should see it, and, and I just saw oh, the yeah, pilot. Absolutely. It's just, it's on my list. It's on my list of yeah. things to definitely watch.
0: Well, speaking of science fiction shows, in my opinion, probably my favorite all-time science fiction show, and that's saying something. Farscape. I have been a fan of this show, um, particularly of Ben Browder and his performance as John Crichton, as a man in the major fish out of water situation but it also has, in my opinion, one of the greatest love stories in science fiction. Hmm. Um, The romance between um, John Crichton and Aaron's son, obviously with also the Henson creative team behind it. Another series that was saved, kind of saved from cancellation and at least got to finish its story. I know John, Hmm. uh, Brian Henson has been trying for years to get something done with Farscape again, but this is a, this is a show. I make a point. I try to watch, give it a full rewatch at least every two years. Um, it, 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 I know it's getting a lot of cycle on Comet just channel Comet right now as they have the rights to it. And I know, I know that, um, shout factory just recently signed a deal with the Henson company and they're going to be releasing on a new Blu-ray collection of this as well. But Kevin, this is, you know, my love for Farscape.
1: Yeah, this was on my honorable mentions. I love this show. And uh, the magic of this show was the Jen Jen Henson creature shop and how that they were able to, uh, uh, do this. And it was, uh, um, it, it was just done really, really well, uh, and I, I just love the look of it too, as well as the performances. Wonderful show, I like to revisit from time to time as well.
0: John, I gotta ask, have you seen Farscape?
2: Yeah, no, I, I love, I, I love Farscape. Um, um, it, it, it's one of those shows I haven't revisited for quite a while, but I remember thinking and. It, it, there was a time when it got a little bit, I mean, it was always taking chances. That's what I loved about the show. It was doing, you know, zigged when you expected it to zag. Uh, and some of that paid off and some of it didn't. But it, but by the end of it, it was it was so worth watching everything, you know, all of it. It's, it's I mean, James Gunn, I think is on the record as saying, you know, when he was approaching Guardians of the Galaxy, he went basically, okay, uh, Farscape. I mean, immediately, you know, he just went. It has to be. It was one of his favorite shows, which is why Ben Browder's got that cameo in uh, in the Second Guardians of the Galaxy. So it's yes. um it, yeah. So yeah, it's it's definitely sure. It won't be to everybody's taste, but it but it's so much a, a wonderful messy collision of so many things. And as you say, a big love story that you know for the ages um, that goes across the seasons and you know and um both ben drowder and claudia black then a year later turned up in stargate so yeah it was that was kind of they they became the you know the the core celebrity couple i think of of sci-fi for quite a while
0: i'm gonna do my number one kevin um because i want you because i know how much you love your number one but um for me I, i watch this at least once a year and that is cowboy bebop and no i am not talking about the netflix live action version of cowboy bebop this is the anime um one of the most original, one of the um most fun, one of the most just in everything. If, if I'm introducing somebody into the world of anime, I am having them watch Cowboy Bebop. The music, the style, the feel of the of Cowboy Bebop, and the English dub is one of the best English dubs out there. Steve Bloom as Spike Spiegel is absolutely phenomenal. Um this this show is one of my alt ulti- it's probably my easily Tied probably maybe with uh, some of the more recent Gundam ser- series that have come out, but it's probably my number one favorite anime out there, and it's just it's it's phenomenal, and I would put it up against anything that we've di- we've discussed today as uh, one of the most rewatchable TV series ever.
1: It's got a huge following. It's got a <laughs> huge following. Yeah.
0: All right, I got
2: after. Have you had? Huge- Go ahead, John. No, it's just, I've never been a huge anime fan, but I did grow grow up with Battle of the Planets. Oh, uh, they, oh they, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the, you know, something they talked about the original, obviously the original Japanese version. Uh, They've talked about for the last like four or five years about efforts to turn that into a proper feature film. Um, I don't that know if it will cool. ever, ever happen, but but there was, I know there's some artwork out there at one point. Uh, about five or six years ago, promoting the idea, but I don't think it's ever got green light. Green lighted, but but we'll see. It's that that would be an interesting one, I think.
0: Cameron, I'm, the, the, I'm gonna go um, get some coffee or a latte or something in is shores. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so no one told you life was gonna be this way. Gonna... Your job's a joke. <laughs> you're broke. Your love life's D O A. It's like you're always stuck in second gear. When it hasn't been your day, your week, or month, or even your year, but I'll be there for you. (laughs) Friends is my number one rewatchable TV series, and it has been for a while now. But more importantly, from a personal standpoint, my wife and I, Aaron, uh, before we got married, and even after we got married, we bonded on Friends. It was one of those things where, in our travels, whatever hotel that we went to, motel or whatever it is, or Airbnb we always would find it playing somewhere, even with commercials. I might bring my uh, my Apple TV with me. So I, you know, cause I have it on there, the entire series, but we would just have it in the background. We would watch these things. And what's really funny too, is she's not really familiar with like seasons eight through 10. She's mostly the, the, the earlier seasons and stuff, but it's something that's important to us. And we love watching it. We love having it on. And there's, there's certain moments that we share Uh, together with our favorite episodes that remind us of certain times in our relationship. And it's just a fun show. It has lived on. It has aged well uh, because of the characters and uh, you know, the relationships that happen between our, our favorite friends. And I love this series. I can't get enough of it. I can just sit down and if I just want to, you know, kill 20 minutes, I'll put on a friend's episode. Absolutely love this series.
0: Yeah, uh, Friends, one of the all time greatest comedies out there. Um, a big part of, of course, Thursday Night Must See TVs. And what, what for, for at least here in the United States, was a
1: culture changer for a very long Thank time. Thank you for the clap, by the way, John. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, even at one point, Kevin tried to get it. I don't, hint. I don't <laughs> yeah. and, well, and to And And to this day, the song is now always Hold Me Close, Tony Danza. <laughs> 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 well, well, um, Kevin, so, Kevin, so, too, basically,
2: I mean, so, so basically so basically Aaron is Aaron is your lobster yeah.
1: yes Aaron is our is my lobster you know and there's that scene there's that famous scene and i always bring it up in memories with Aaron, where you know um ross is depressed and um it's his sister monica is saying you get to live the dream you get to fall in love with us you know Ah, uh, someone from another country, and and have adventures together, and uh, that's what happened with Aaron and I. So yeah, oh. Well, and I think and, I like and, Big and, Bang.
2: Too. I like Big Bang for the similar reasons. You, you know, yeah, yeah. It's you, you. can tune into old ones, standalone episodes, and it's hilarious. It, it's we yeah. watch. We end up watching Big Bang about two or three times a week because it's just usually on on some channel just after we've got in and we turn the TV on, and we end, often end up just sitting on the couch watching it. And That's a earlier. fun
1: one. That's a fun one to marathon. Yeah, it
0: yeah. is. Yeah. Well, I mean, Kevin is still trying to get the proper Jennifer Aniston
2: haircut too. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I think we all have problems with that here, but that is going to wrap up this section of the magic eight ball. This was fun to talk about guys. It's been a huge TV a- episode here at the, <laughs> Uh, culture clash. Um, let's put the eight ball away before it starts acting up. We've seen what it does, what, what it can do when it's mad. Thank you to I,
1: everyone on social media that responded to that. Great suggestions, it was nice, yeah, absolutely. But can I, you know, what, guys,
2: can I, yeah, throw, can I throw one more in very briefly? Please, yeah, please. Journeyman. Journeyman, do you remember the Kevin uh, Journeyman about a time, tra- time traveler? If you haven't. I'm not going to spoil it. There's lots of lovely little things. It only ran for, I think for one, yeah, one season, if that, if not even a complete season, about a guy who finds himself traveling time. It's a very quantum leapish. We didn't mention quantum okay. leap. That's one. Um, But yeah, Journeyman, people who know it will probably be screaming at the scenes. Yes, I love that. But it only ran for one season and got canceled, but you should look that that. I find just
1: want to, I want to throw out a UK series that I love too, is Dempsey and Makepeace. Peace.
0: <laughs> Uh so and and I'm gonna throw out a one season show too that I wish was took almost human.
1: Carl Urban. Almost
2: human. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was fun. As Carl Urban, right? Or no? Yeah, Carl
2: Urban. Yeah, that's
1: yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Being anyway, human as well. That was a good one as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was a good one as well. Um, but we're gonna it's it's time for us to get out of here. So um give give, give us a minute here and we're gonna be right back with um close out. First of all, thank you to John Mosby for coming on. Um hang out here more often, John. We like having you around.
2: <laughs> Namaste. Thank you very much for having me. I enjoy being on. So you, you know you know how much I hate talking. So thank you for indulging me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's a good one, John. <laughs> well, what you
0: don't know is I've already time traveled and edited this down from an eight-hour podcast.
2: <laughs> yes, <laughs> Let, let's release the director's cut, the Snyder <laughs> cut, at some
0: point. This is the Ma- We will eventually release the Mosby cut. <laughs> yeah.
2: But of course, you're you're Lord part- of the Rings. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. There we go. Um, of course, if you're watching us right now live on our Phantom Podcast Network YouTube channel, thank you so much for being part of the show and. Watching with us, we appreciate that. Remember to subscribe, like, and share out the channel to everybody. And of course, if you want to hear the audio podcast and not only this, but all the great shows on the Phantom Podcast Network, you can also go to fpnet.podbean.com. And you can, of course, download all the great shows on the Phantom Podcast Network through any of your major podcast catchers out there, including iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and so much more. Um, you can find us on Facebook, our Facebook group, Fandom Podcast Network. You can email us directly at, fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Fandom Podcast Network, or on Twitter at FanPodNetwork. I'm Kyle. You can follow me on Twitter at akylew or on Instagram, akylefandom. Kevin, where can people find you on socials?
1: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, of course, at Spartan underscore Phoenix on the Fandom Podcast Network, of course, on Facebook, and uh, I'm returning to uh, Thrift Store Theater, and I found one of my favorites. I'm going to revisit, and that is Earth Girls Are Easy.
0: Well, that, Kevin was really it, was hoping for a long time that was the truth, too.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> John, obviously, people can find you writing every, all your wonderful reviews on Echo Chamber. Where can people find you on social media?
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah, you can uh, go to echochamber.online on Twitter. Uh, I'm There Goes the Day, and on Facebook, John Mosby. Uh, I'm 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 like the bad penny. I'll turn up anywhere. So just yeah, look around. I'll be there somewhere. I'm like I'm like the last of, last of us fungus. You know, it's you can't <laughs> I, I sprout everywhere. You're like, you, you can't get rid of me once I'm there. No, no kissing, no. no. No kissing. Yeah, no kiss. <laughs> yeah. What John
0: doesn't know is I'm throwing him in the Phantom Podcast Network basement after the show, Kevin. We're just going to bring him out every few weeks. Um, there you go. As long as we, <laughs> we keep it, as long as we keep him away from the Orville Pea Corner and the last of the <laughs> longest plant, we're good.
2: You are very strange individuals, and you are scaring my dialect.
0: uh, uh, on that note because i really don't want to get exterminated uh, once again thank you to all of our wonderful listeners thank Thank you john thank you john mosby and as always we as we get out of here we like to tell you respect each other and as always enjoy your fandom